Welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. I'm so glad Time of Grace is talking about abortion during the month of June because the topic is largely ignored by many churches. And as we open it up for a topic of discussion, it is easy to see it has devastated so many people. If you missed the last two episodes of Little Things, you may want to listen to them. I interviewed Laura, an amazing woman who aborted as a young woman and has since gone on to help so many women find healing. I also want to mention that you can find incredible sermons from Pastor Mike, a Grace Talks devotional video series from Pastor Jeremy, and an interview I had with Pastor Mike taking a look at why he decided to preach on this topic. All of that can be found at timeofgrace.org abortion. Before we continue, I need to warn you that due to the nature of abortions and the trauma today's guest experienced, there's a very brief graphic description of the abortion, which, if you've had an abortion, may trigger unwanted memories, and if you haven't, you may momentarily cringe. With this in mind, we'll continue our discussion on the topic of abortion with two specific points in mind. First, I want to talk about the women who were told to get an abortion or maybe even forced to get an abortion. And then I want to talk about forgiveness and letting go of the guilt. Let me introduce you to Carol. She lives in West Allis, a suburb of Milwaukee. As a young woman in the late 1960s, she married and was living in Maryland. Just four years into her marriage, her husband left her and their then three-year-old son. I was a single parent. So now this is the first time I'm a single parent. And during that time, that was, uh, you know, back in the 70s. And during that time, single parenting was kind of rare. We found an apartment and uh, an efficiency, and uh, we started our life. If it sounds difficult, it was. If she was eligible for food stamps, Carol didn't know about it. A food pantry would have helped, but she didn't have resources. She worked as a cosmetologist. Well, then, um, the gals at school, I mean, at work, uh, said to me, well, you know something, you can't just stay in the house. You can't just, you know, work and not have any fun. Why don't you have your folks who live 50 miles away uh, go ahead and um, babysit for him for a weekend and uh, have, have some fun, you know. So I did, and I met, I, I joined a softball team um, at a cocktail lounge. And that's where it started because the two men that owned it, I ended up um, having a relationship with Peter. And Peter was the one who became the father um, of my pregnancy. Now, you did not initially tell him when you were pregnant, correct? That's correct. I was four and a half months pregnant when I told him. And the reason that I didn't tell him is because I was thinking things through, thinking how could I keep the baby, thinking I had one child, and then, um, you know, where could I go? Uh, How would this affect my son and I because we are now established? And then Carol admitted. During that time, I had put God on the shelf, and I didn't ask for his love. I didn't ask for his help. I was in my 20s, and I was all over the place, and I was confused. And I shouldn't have been because I was a Christian. We went to, we went to Sunday school and Bible class every week. 
you know, but I, I lost him for a while, but I didn't know what I needed to do to get him back. Carol was a single mother, and she wasn't part of a community of Christians. So when she found herself pregnant, she was alone and in a predicament. Finally, she told the father. He was in denial. Um, I felt that he was detached. He turned around and walked away from me. Um, And I felt that uh, the love that I thought that we had between each other um, just died. Okay. And then he turned around. He walked back to me, and these were his words, quote, Don't worry, I will take care of everything, unquote. And what did he mean when he said, I will take care of it? I believe that uh, what he meant by that was he was going to set things up for me to have an abortion. I wasn't born in 1971, and Carol felt important to explain to me. I just didn't feel I didn't have a voice, because during that time, it was traditional times, and you respected the man and and what his word was, and he never really asked you what your opinion was. That's the time that I lived in, okay? That didn't keep Carol from trying, though. I said, no, hold it. No, Peter no abortion. And that's all I said. I didn't, I wasn't feeling good about myself because I didn't know how to really speak up for myself and and the child that I was carrying. So that's where we were at at that time. Did you tell anybody else about the pregnancy? I told no one. So you did not have um, anybody that you felt you could confide in who could come alongside you? So, um, no one knew about other, they knew about the relationship, but they didn't know that I was pregnant. The year was 1971, two years before the Supreme Court decision Roe v. Wade legalized abortion in the United States. Peter's cousin arranged for Carol and Peter to fly to Washington, D.C. to get an abortion. When we got in the plane, I didn't see anything. I was still thinking, how can I get out of this? And so I really did not want that abortion. Upon arriving at the abortion clinic in Washington, D.C., Carol was met by protesters. And her thought? That's the side that I should be on right now. I'm not walking into this clinic. Carol and Peter went in, and then she waited alone. And so then there I was alone. I thought, "Uh, this isn't for me. I can't do this. I've got to get out of here. So I did. I opened the door and I ran. I didn't walk. I ran out the door and I was looking for Peter and he was across the way having some lunch. She got Peter's attention and... Peter took me by my waist and he said, Carol, he says, I cannot marry you. I cannot be a part of your life for life. My body just went Try to do something. And so then I just gave in. 
during the abortion, you found out that you had been pregnant with twins. During the abortion, the doctor called. Twins here, because they had the document, the nurse was documenting everything on the computer. Twins here. I just was. Everything That wasn't the end of an already physically and emotionally painful ordeal. They had to carry me to the next trip, which was, that's where you got dressed and then you left to go And you saw a much different side of Peter after the abortion than you had seen prior to that. So whatever caring, wonderful um, boyfriend that he had been, when Peter came in after the abortion, he was all business. He dressed me, and we got out to the car. I was like a, a mummy. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't even hardly walk. And uh, he said, just please don't embarrass me. You know, I felt like I was just going to faint. He said, please, Carol, please, please don't embarrass me. So I got through that, got on the plane, didn't say a word to him. He got me home. He stayed with me a little while, and then he left. And what happened to the relationship after you got home? Uh, we had to work together. I couldn't afford to lose my job. I became more silent myself. And um, I didn't share a whole lot. I didn't trust a whole lot. Is your heart breaking the way my heart was breaking hearing Carol tell about her experience? Many women experience pressure to get an abortion, sometimes from the father and sometimes even, unfortunately, from other family members. Pastor Mike Novotny, lead pastor for Time of Grace, received an email. I'm going to let him tell you about it. This past week, I got, I I think, the longest email I've gotten in years. And it was from a woman who gave me permission anonymously to tell you that she had an abortion. Uh, She was pregnant uh, many years ago. Uh, She didn't plan to be, but, you know, she came around to the idea that maybe she could have this baby and raise this child. And so she told her mother that she was pregnant. Her mother, who she described as the most God-fearing woman that she had met in her entire life. And, And you know what the mother said? Get rid of it. And so this confused and distraught woman went to her sisters. This is what mom told me to do, but I couldn't do that. This is is life. God says, I I can't do that. That would be wrong. And you know what the sister said? That's not life. Life begins at birth. Doesn't it say in the Bible that when God breathed into Adam, he became a living being? So until a baby takes its first breath, it's not a living being. It's just cells. You need to listen to mom and and take care of it. And as she realized that if she carried this baby, she wouldn't have the support of the people she needed the most, she reluctantly got in the car and went to the clinic and had an abortion. Abortion. 
Carol hadn't told her parents. I didn't tell my folks at all because my family was a Christian family, a traditional family. They lived in a traditional way. They lived 50 miles away, and if I would have told them about this, I think they would have supported me just because of the fact that I am their daughter. You didn't give your parents the chance. Right. What do we do? Do you see anything that we can do that we can help our children to to understand that we want that chance? Well, I can say this, that um, I think one of the steps that most of us need to take from the first five years of life and on is to build a strong character uh, through you know, building self-confidence, um, not being afraid to ask questions. Because you didn't feel as if at any point you could say no to Peter. So you didn't have the confidence yes, to say, right. you, you just, you really did not have a voice in the situation. And what you're saying is you would like women especially to know that no matter what they're being told, you have to do this. This is the only option. This is the way you want them to have the confidence to say it's it's not the only option. It, I don't right. have to do this. Right. And confidence, that's the number one thing as far as I'm concerned. No, that's the number two thing. It's you have to have the faith base. And whether the faith base means that you are going to church, you shouldn't be knocked off the ladder just because of the fact that you don't go to church. Because you can pray anywhere in the world, you know, any place any way you want to. God will hear it. He's with you, you know. And he's a merciful God, and he will take in everything that we're saying. And I think it's important to recognize that while we're saying, you know, there are a lot of parents who would love to come alongside their their child at this point. The truth is there are also parents who would say, you will get an abortion now. This is the route you will take. Yeah, well, that's not, that's not positive reinforcement. No. <laughs> so I would say that the parents need some work. Of course, even well-meaning Christians get it wrong sometimes. The email Pastor Mike read proves it. But there are a lot of parents and even people in the church who wouldn't condemn, but would wrap their arms around you and walk with you and help you. Listen to this email Pastor Mike received from a woman in his church. The voice that you're going to hear reading this letter is not the author, but rather a volunteer. I look back through my life at my relationship with my children and think about what my response to them would be if they came to me with the simple news of expecting a child. Perhaps because I went through it myself, I know exactly how I would respond. I would respond with love and prayers and honesty and conviction. We would discuss the difficulties to come, the blessings that are promised, and the forgiveness Jesus won. So now I look back on my decision to abort and feel so sad that my mother, who proved her love at every opportunity and proved her faith with almost every word, did not get the chance to share that with me. I robbed her of the opportunity to help me. I robbed myself of the support she almost certainly would have given me because I was scared she would be disappointed. I was scared she would see what I thought of myself, that I was only worth certain things to boys in a relationship, that my faith was small, and that I was easily led astray. 
Knowing my mom, she would have helped me live with my consequence and helped me with whatever choice I made, adoption or raising the child. And she would have asked me how I was feeling and if I really believed I was forgiven. She would have talked to me about what I knew about God and what he knows about me. And she would have encouraged me to use my experience to help others. Like this woman, Carol and Laura, the woman from the episodes we aired the last two weeks, wish they would have let others in. If they were to guess, they bet their parents would have helped and would have loved them through the situation. Please don't struggle alone. Reach out to a Christian friend or a pastor, a Christian pregnancy resource center, or if you don't know who to talk to, contact us at Time of Grace and we will connect you with resources. I reached out to my friend Rachel, the Education and Programs Director at Wells Lutherans for Life in the Milwaukee area. So what happens when a woman walks through the doors, either suspecting she's pregnant or knowing she's pregnant? So generally when a woman comes to us, she's already taken a home test. She already suspects that she's pregnant. And she either found us online or the other main way people find us is through a friend. A lot of people have a friend or a relative um, who had a positive experience with us. And so when they walk in, we want them to feel welcomed, we want them to feel comfortable. Uh, For a lot of people, whether you're Christian or not, wealthy or not, a pregnancy can be really overwhelming. So we try to be a place that's kind of calm in all the chaos. So the first thing she's going to do is she's going to fill out an intake and then she's gonna meet with an advocate. And usually that person is a volunteer who's trained very well. (laughs) And in the consultation room, they're gonna have the chance to talk about her situation. She's gonna be met with someone who views her as an equal. So we're not here to fix anyone. We're not better than anyone. Um, this This isn't our decision, it's her life. And so we're gonna do a whole lot of listening. We want her to judge and that she's getting compassion, that we're there to help her. So that'll be the first step is learning a little more about what's going on with her. How does she feel about it? And then we're gonna wanna do one of our lab quality pregnancy tests. And then after that, we're gonna talk about the results. And for some, that's when it becomes real. And whenever someone's making a big decision, especially in this case, a medical decision, we think it's great to be informed about all your options. We think it's good as cheesy as it sounds the whole knowledge and power thing is true we think knowledge is very empowering and so in a lot of these situations a woman feels like she doesn't have options she has to have an abortion she feels kind of trapped and so our hope is that she will feel safe enough to open up about how she feels and actually explore what are my options because uh Abortion isn't her only choice. She could make an adoption plan. She can choose the parent if that's what she wants. And so in this, we're going to use medically vetted materials. We have magazines and brochures and videos and nothing's graphic. (laughs) And we're going to discuss those abortion procedures. What are some of the risks? What are some of the effects? Something that people often don't talk about is how an abortion can help affect you relationally, you know, psychologically, emotionally afterwards. And so that's something that's included in some of our materials. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's experience is different. But that 
No one talked to me about this. And so we try to take a holistic approach. We're also going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about adoption. There's a number of agencies that we can connect them with information for. And the primary thing is what are her needs? What are her concerns? Because we want her to feel like she isn't dealing with this alone. She has people there for her. She now has support. I, if I had a dollar for every time I told a client that we're here for them, no matter what, no matter what they decide, I'd be a lot wealthier and drive a lot nicer car. And so we want them to know that they can get through this. They are strong. Depending on where a woman goes, she might have people say, you know what, you should just have the abortion. You can't handle this. You're not up to it. Just have the abortion. We're not going to tell them that they're weak. We're not going to tell them that they can't handle this. We are going to help get them in touch with their strong self and help them know that if they want to continue this pregnancy, that they can do it. And we're going to help them be successful in it. And so the education piece is very big. Uh, that can include field development. One of the nice things is we don't charge for any of our services. Pregnancy centers like us never do, which means I'm not going to make more money if she makes a certain choice. And I think that really allows us to reach them where they are with less of an agenda. We're going to want her to get an ultrasound as a next step. So if it's been six weeks since her last period, we're going to have her do a limited OB ultrasound. And during that, one of our sonographers is going to look for three main things. So first thing is the pregnancy in the uterus. If it's not, we're going to be concerned. Is there a heartbeat? Uh, she'll do some basic measurements of that. And then the third piece is going to be to find out gestation. So how far along is this woman? And that's especially important if she's considering abortion, because that can affect the type of abortion that would be available. Um, for all of this, it's very consent-based. We ask the woman, you know, do you want the screen on? And they almost always say yes. And how do you help the woman who comes in, who wants to keep her baby, but everyone in her life is telling her it isn't the right time, this baby will ruin your life, or just get rid of it, it's no big deal? So as a lot of people can relate to, there's a lot of pressure facing these women that come into our center. We know that as many as maybe two-thirds of women who get abortions felt pressured. So there's all of these other voices telling them what to do. And so one of the ways that we support them is we give them a place to explore what they want. I remember a client who was in tears and she thought, I have to have an abortion. I have to have an abortion. And she shared that all these people had told her what to do. And this was the first moment where she was able to breathe. And through the tears, she became aware that she wanted to parent. And I can tell you, she is a phenomenal parent. Her little boy is very lucky. So in some ways, the choice to make an adoption plan or the choice to parent is just the beginning. And that's when we start walking with them to help them be successful. And so that is the emotional support. It's also just a safe place to talk and vent. It's where we bring in the spiritual piece, which is the best thing, frankly, that we offer our clients. As wonderful as diapers and ultrasounds are, the hope that we can bring through Christ is hands down the biggest gift we can give them. And so that's when we also talk to them about other resources. So it could be support with a church, but it could be help with rent. It could be getting insurance or a doctor. It could be diapers. 
it's also education. My background's in education, so I'm very passionate about that piece. So we offer parenting classes, both for moms and dads, and even specifically just for dads. We all hear about absent dads. And then you have these men who want to step up, who want to be the best dad they can be, maybe the dad they wish they had. And so we like to really support them with specific programming just for them. And they can even do lessons virtually, especially during these crazy times. And so in these lessons, they get that practical help. And so they can learn confidence. They can learn how to be a parent who can handle a kid that needs potty training or is crying or how do you juggle multiple kids? Many of the women considering abortion already have children. That's something I never expected before I got into this work, but it's something we see again and again. And in our parenting classes, it can become kind of a support group where they support each other. They can get each other connected with resources and say, oh, I tried this with my second kid. He did the same thing. And so that's one of the ways that we help them not just make a decision, but follow through on it. And this is where also the adoption piece comes in. We had a longtime client who'd come for material assistance, diapers, wipes, formula. And on the day that she was having a huge fight, possibly ending her relationship with her husband, found out she was pregnant. And fast forward, she ended up making an adoption plan. And so that's where we're offering her that support in those days leading up to the birth, in those following the birth, dealing with some of those blues, some of those negative feelings following the choice. She's never for a moment questioned it. And they actually have uh, open adoption. She has a very good relationship with the family. They exchange pictures and things like that. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Talk to me about the post-abortion counseling that you offer. So even if we haven't personally been part of an abortion, someone we care about has. So it could be someone in our church or someone in our family or at our office. And a lot of people are told abortion is no big deal. It never happened. Or they might be told this is something to be celebrated. I think about campaigns like Shout Your Abortion. But many men and women will tell you that that's not true and that's not been their experience. That for them, it was a profound trauma and it can last a lifetime. And so we believe as pro-lifers that whether you've had an abortion or not, you are valuable. And so we're going to be here for you. And so for some men and women, they want post-abortion support right away. For other people, it might be 20, 30 years later that they learn this is even an option. And so there's two main ways that people will get post-abortion support. It can be either individual or in a group. And I feel like I should confess, I am not a facilitator, but I do have a lot of people close to me who've experienced it, and I know some things about it. So the first step is going to be they are going to do an intake kind of like you would if you were a pregnancy client. And that's going to give them the opportunity sometimes for the first time to share about how it's affecting their them, what the struggle could be. It could be nightmares. It could be deep sadness. It could be that they can't handle the sight of something related to a baby. It's also her chance to share a little bit. How is she feeling about this? There is a spectrum of reactions that we see in women, but something very common is that they are struggling with it. It is affecting their day-to-day life in some way. And so we want to assure them that they're not alone and that their reaction, whatever it is, is a normal reaction to just a very abnormal experience. And very early on, we like to assure them, 
we're Christians of God's forgiveness for them. They might not be ready to hear it, but we would still want to put it out there. And so then she's going to have the chance to delve a little bit deeper into her situation. And this can get as specific as the sights and sounds from the abortion procedure. It can also include where is she struggling? So is she having a hard time in relationships? It, has it caused tension between her and other children? Maybe she feels guilty that she chose life for some and not others. She also is going to need to grieve. And I think most of us are somewhat familiar, whether through experience or schooling, about the different stages of grieving. And for a lot of people, especially those who are dealing with a past abortion, it's not linear. So it can include denial. It can include all the different stages. And for many, healing has to include the truth. So it does require acknowledging what happened. If you go see a doctor, a doctor is not going to be able to truly help you unless they're realistic about where the problem is. And so acknowledging the experience and acknowledging their role. We know that many, many people who've had abortions are Christians. They might have even been going to church at the time. I believe I've heard four in 10 women who had abortions have been to church probably within that same month. And so beforehand, the devil says, you know, go ahead. Jesus will forgive you. But then afterwards, they struggle to forgive themselves. And forgiveness is a huge part of this. It's a big process. And I think it can be very easy for us to think, okay, Jesus forgave us, but we're not willing to forgive ourselves. And my mom's led a lot of people to healing. And I think she would compare it to a lower court trying to overrule the Supreme Court. We think, okay, God can forgive me, but I have a higher standard. I can't forgive myself. This sin is somehow beyond that. That's beautiful. That's actually exactly what we've heard. Um, Pastor Mike uh, had a woman who wrote him in, uh, wrote him an email, basically saying, you know, she went to church for 26 years and heard "You're forgiven," but she didn't believe that meant her. Exactly. We a lot of times think we're unique sinners that somehow we've found this way to sin that's beyond the scope of God's love. And so I think that's part of why being in a group or meeting other women who've had an abortion can be so powerful because you get to talk to other people in similar situations and they get to encourage you again and again that you are forgiven. Sometimes if you're like me, you have to hear something more than once, more than twice, more than we won't say how many times before it sinks in. And that's how this can be also that Jesus says you're forgiven, but knowing it in your heart it's going to be different than just knowing it in your head. A lot of times, feeling it is going to take a while, and it requires a lot of encouragement from a support person who listens and shares the truth, and then also right away shares that grace. I, I just think that would Go be ahead. so beneficial to so many people to know that you offer this as a service. I want to get back to Carol because there's another part to her story that I think is important to share. She was pressured to get an abortion and realized through the whole ordeal, Peter had no intention for a long-term relationship. That is traumatic in and of itself. Remember when I asked Carol if she had told anyone she was pregnant? Listen to her full answer. I told no one. I told no one for what happened to 
And after the abortion, Carol said she became more silent and didn't share much or trust. Forty-plus years later, she heard about a Christian Pregnancy Resource Center through her church. I went into the office and I asked the secretary if they had any volunteer jobs. I thought maybe the way to try and get myself out of this feeling of being depressed and, and being fearful and, and having, a li- having anger toward Peter, anger toward myself, because I didn't have the courage to stand up and fight for my two children. And I was upset with myself. And this was 40 years later. You're not talking about six months later. You're talking about 40 years later, you are still dealing with anger. And at the Pregnancy Resource Center, where Carol went hoping to help, she found help and a listening ear. This woman she was talking to. She's the first person that I told about my abortion. This conversation led to a 12-week post-abortion syndrome Bible study. And so, therefore, I went to these classes every week, and we had to have uh, questions answered, that homework that we had to do at home. It was all related to faith. I knew I didn't lose my faith, you know, but I, I, I didn't have a, quite an understanding of it, you know, because I was young. I thought I knew everything. Have you ever forgiven Peter? Yes. Yes, of course I have. And through that class, you were able to work through all of the feelings. Yes, absolutely. I can't tell you how much it grieves me to think of Carol struggling through guilt, sadness, and anger for almost 40 years. Remember that email Pastor Mike talked about from the young woman whose family told her to get an abortion? There's more to it. She went on to get married. She told her husband about the abortion, but then didn't tell another soul for over 25 years. Here's part of what she wrote. A number of things happened in my life in quick succession. I became so overwhelmed dealing with those things that I sought Christian counseling. Then one day, the secret I thought I would never share with another soul came pouring forth out of my mouth. I wanted to put it back, shove it back in the closet. But like Pandora's box, the evils of my past were now out in the open. Confess your sins to each other so that you can be healed. James 5 verse 16. With that confession came a number of things. The first, hearing God's forgiveness spoken to me through one of his servants. Although I had heard those words repeated almost every Sunday for the last 26 years, That was the first time I heard them spoken for that sin, the sin I believed was unforgivable. I wanted him to tell me it over and over again. If you had an abortion two months ago, yesterday, 10, 20, 40 years ago, And if you've struggled with guilt and believed God could never forgive you for what you did, I need you to hear this. Christ's sacrifice on the cross covers every sin, even abortion. When he said it is finished, he meant paid in full. You are forgiven. Let me tell you that again so you really believe it. You are forgiven. Don't carry the guilt anymore. Therefore, 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Both Laura and Carol found healing in a post-abortive Bible study. Laura is passionate about teaching this and has offered to help provide resources to get you in the right direction. You can find that information in today's program notes. Consider Christian counseling, confiding in an older Christian woman who could mentor you, or I know, don't laugh, I have many women who come to my Bible study who are older than I am. So consider talking even to maybe a younger woman who loves Jesus and his people, or talk to your pastor. But please don't carry the weight, the guilt, the shame anymore. If you haven't had a chance to listen or watch Pastor Mike's sermon series on abortion, please check them out and consider getting Pastor Mike's book, Pro Every Life. The excerpts we read today from emails and messages were from that book. If you're struggling to find hope and healing, that is a great first step. You can find both at timeofgrace.org abortion. I'd like to close today with a prayer. Oh God, thank you for leading Time of Grace to talk about abortion. Healing and forgiveness so often come when we bring these things into the light. Please be with the women listening today who were told to have an abortion and be with those who are forced to have an abortion and be with those who got an abortion thinking it would solve their problems, but they have since regretted their decision. Lord, you see their pain. You never meant for us to carry shame or guilt, and that's why you sent Jesus to carry it for us. Wipe away the sadness and replace their guilt with the freedom that comes from knowing our sins are forgiven. And Lord, give these women the courage to reach out to others who may be hurting and to stand in the gap to help others who are pregnant and aren't sure what to do. In Jesus' name, amen.